Well, we got past the FOMC. They kept rates unchanged, but is the market buying that they're going to just keep rates unchanged? We have the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan left to go this week. And I have a special guest, Quasar from Pepperstone. He'll be joining us today. We're going to get right into the trade-off. Well, hello, traders. My name is Blake Morrow. And no, I'm not Chris Weston, but he'll be back with us next week. So don't you worry. But I will be bringing in Quasar the Great. Holy cow. Quasar, how are you? Good to see you today. Good to see you too, Blake. I'm doing great. I'm pretty pretty happy to be here uh, with you guys, with the English-speaking audience. Uh, as I was mentioning earlier, it's always a, an honor for me to, to share with you, Blake, uh, the stage, how I like to call it, the big stage. Um, as you probably may not know, I usually take over the trade-off in Spanish, but every now and then when Chris decides to enjoy life a little bit, um, I'm promoted to to share on the big screen, and here we are. Uh, happy to be well, here. Well, it's great to have you here, and make sure that you guys and gals, if you, well, especially you gals, if you don't visit Quasar's show, you probably <laughs> should. I, I think your viewership is definitely, definitely slanted to the uh, the female end of the spectrum but um, make sure you all jump in the comments and tell quasar how much he's loved here on the trade-off so quasar we had um a really massive move today well we've been waiting for this we've been waiting for the the fomc uh we got past the cpi we're going to talk about inflation you saw all the topics that we're going to discuss but what did you make out of today's action it was a surprising one and to me even though we didn't get to get the surprises that we got last week from the central banks that took part uh, last week i feel like it was still a surprise and i think that if anything is just making things more complicated uh, i will definitely put it straight up like that uh, i personally feel like all these last years for me have been kind of like training whereas now it's kind of like the big challenge the big test trying to make sense of all of this that it's happening uh and especially Welcome. with the projections that the fmc put out to today um quite complex i'm trying to still make sense out of it but we'll go well we're gonna that. we're gonna unpack that and all so much more today and we're gonna just jump right in to it so let's get into topical thunder Well, you started to break into it, um, uh, Quasar. You started breaking into your thoughts about the FOMC. And I'm going to ask you for to pause just a moment. And, uh, you know, let's kind of talk about what the Fed did. And, and as I said in the intro, you know, the Fed actually left rates unchanged. It was widely expected that the Fed was going to uh, keep the rates unchanged. But I think it was the it was the you know comments and the and, and the press conference afterwards that really got the market moving. Um, you know, as and as you pointed out, some of the you know, some of the, the the projections might be of topic here in a second, but but let's let's take a step back, see how the, the market reacted, because the initial reaction was the equity market sold off. Um, I think that was mostly due to the dot plot, the movement of the dot plot that actually suggests that the Fed has a couple more rate hikes in it for this year. And um, I think people didn't expect that much of a hawkish we could call it a hawkish move in the dot plot so we saw yields rip the dollar made a move higher initially stocks dipped we we saw the dow was down over 300 points at one point um but this the market's kind of recovered there's a few few things in the statement 
that I, I wanted to bring up. And then I want to get your thoughts here. You know, Powell said, you know, uh, uh, one of the things that he said that really, really rang, a, rang, a, rang the bell for me, said, we're talking about a couple of years out for rate cuts. Now, I don't think the market really fully comprehends that we are probably in a more of a neutral stance at this point in the game for the Fed. And we might stay neutral for quite some time. They, you know, he also said uh, they're not they're not seeing a lot, a lot of progress on core PCE, uh, still sees upside risk to inflation and inflation remains well above the 2% goal. But he also said, and I think the market took took what it could. And it was the comment that he said, shouldn't call June a pause or June pause a skip. And I think people said, oh, wait, maybe that's going to be a pause is going to be a pause, an indefinite pause. But remember, the dot plots are suggesting otherwise. What are your takeaways from the FOMC today? To me, uh, personally, I think that it was just a breather in the sense that they are fully aware that given the levels of inflation right now, they need to continue on pursuing uh, a more strict monetary policy, though they still need it. A little bit of time just to make sure how the pieces are falling. Um, that's primarily how I see it. Um, with regards to how the markets are reacting, as you mentioned, they're not buying. And I was looking at the probabilities of rate hikes that in theory, based on the dot plot, we should be seeing. It's just literally discounting another rate hike for July. Other than that, they're not buying that second rate hike. Uh, so it's a very complex one. One of the things that I, for me personally that was very intriguing is the dynamic on how they are trying to make sense with regards to inflation going down. They adjusted GDP to the upside. They lowered the expectations for unemployment. And how is all this going to play out positively for inflation to come down eventually? That's probably why they were mentioning or making the case that it's going to take years for actually rate cuts to, to take place. But it's, it's a very complex picture because the variables that should help bring inflation down are not in, they're not specifically aligning towards what it's needed. And yeah, what we saw also from the presser, it was basically just Jerome Powell trying to justify how they're thinking about additional rate hikes, but not not on this time. They didn't have well, well, probably what we should do is we should just move into the next topic and talk about inflation and how that's going to factor into the Fed, because really, I think the Fed expressed it in all of the comments. If you see, if you go and you just you know, just just cycle through all of the headlines, a lot of it was on inflation. So let's go ahead and move into inflation. What, what are your thoughts about this topic it's a great great topic with regards to i think it's the essence that needs to be solved of course during the last couple of months you know whatever was happening with the regional banks and then the debt ceiling got to take the main stage putting you know all the attention of uh, investors globally but now we're back to the main dynam dynamic that is affecting us and here personally i have for a while segregated myself from looking actively to the headline and just primarily paying attention to core inflation. And yes, we have seen headline made substantial progress. We got to be, you know, about 9%. Now we're at 4%. We basically have cut it in half. But when you get to see the core reading, we have barely done any progress. We went from 6-ish to now we're at 5.3. And I think that that's, and Powell mentioned at some point, it all at some point is going to have to do with it. 
And that's one of the things that actually when we when I got to be here with you guys last time, I, I brought up, I personally believe that we are not going to get this situation solved to the levels that are needed. Of course, we have done substantial progress, but if we get to talk about 2%, I strongly believe that we need to see, and it's it's not a nice thing to say, but I think that unemployment has to go up. There's no other way to break with that cycle that it reinforces by itself. I don't know what do you think about that. I personally am very skeptical of it all being fixed all of a sudden. Well, the thing about inflation, I, I think that I think the Fed chairman made it very, very clear today that they will and they have to continue to raise rates. That's why I think this 5% might be more of a neutral rate for us. Maybe we can come down off of it, but they're going to go higher first until they get that inflation genie in the bottle. You imagine like Aladdin. And the genie that they're sticking, trying to get Aladdin back in the bottle, the foot's still hanging out. They haven't got the, the genie back in the bottle yet. And that slippery sucker can slip right out of the, the bottle again. You know, even the Fed chairman today, he said, we're, we're monitoring housing prices. And he's monitoring housing prices, how prices are ticking higher. That's working against the Fed right now. The, the, the rise that we're seeing in equities, that's working against the Fed with the trickle down effect. You're, it's going to be really hard to contain inflation until some of these financial conditions get clamped down. And I think the Fed is on due course going to break something along the way, putting inflation that inflation genie back in the bottle. And we're still, don't forget, we're still over two, you know, two times their, you know, what they consider is is comfortable or 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 your their their inflation target. We're well above that right now. Yes, the trends are moving in our direction, but it's kind of like that last stretch of a race. You know, you're, you've got a lot less energy at this point. And, you know, if you did a, did a hundred meters sprint, you're at the last 10 meters, you know, you're, you're lacking a little bit of energy and same thing with the fed here. They, they've, they've made a big sprint and now it's fine tune adjusting higher to make sure that they clamp down on inflation. So I don't think their job's done yet. And I think they express that, but then again, stock market isn't buying it is it so it is not and yeah i 100 percent agree with you that this last stretch is what it's going to be very difficult and i think here's where the key is going to be like how long we're going to have to wait and, and probably in this process of waiting that's more likely enough where things are going to break it's just a matter of time how long can we withstand interest rates cost of money at this level Right. Well, you know, that, that that takes us to the next two central banks that are coming up this week. We have the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan. And I was just having a conversation with Michael Brown from uh, and, and, and uh, Richard Matthews uh, just the uh, just yesterday, I believe he's from Trader X. Uh, a lot of you guys and gals know who he is. And, um, you know, they both were saying that the ECB really didn't matter this week. And I think most of us are going to be on, um, you know, Christine Lagarde tan, tan indicator watch. You know, seeing how deep her tan is this time of year during this meeting. But you know, the market's expecting them to raise rates 25 basis points, uh, uh, you know, uh, tomorrow. Then also in July, another 25 and another 25, possibly in September. Um, you know, I have to point out the euro dollar is still trading pretty bearishly because. You know, a lot by a lot of aspects, uh, the the European Euro area looks like we're going in a recession if we're not already in a recession already. But um, I wanted to know how you wanted to trade the 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 European Central Bank. But before you answer that, we also need to talk about the Bank of Japan because they meet 
the next day, well, it's actually Friday, but it'll be Friday morning, but Thursday night for a lot of us late night. Um, you know, a lot of people aren't expect or say, you know, be, be careful of the BOJ. They've surprised in the past, but I have to reiterate, Ueda is not Kuroda. Two totally different people, two totally different uh, BOJ governors, two totally different approaches. Um, you know, before, you know, he's mentioned it's going to take a little bit of time before they can make any major policy changes. Um, but could they, you know, suggest or, you know, start to lead us into widening that YCC band? Um, maybe they could, you know, but core CPI is at 4.1% month over month. You know, and maybe if we start to see wages moving higher, maybe they might start to make a move like that. But I still think it's going to be kind of dead and the, the dollar yen or the yen should remain weak. So I want to say the yen should remain weak, but the euro looks pretty weak on the crosses with the euro sterling. The euro dollar looks pretty weak. How are you going to play the BOJ and the and the ECB this week? I want to I want to start with the Bank of Japan because I personally believe that you have to just similarly that you will do with individuals. You have to assess what more likely these institutions are going to be doing based off where they are coming from. And when we get to analyze what the main worry is for Japan is that they struggle for so, so long with deflationary process or with a deflationary dynamic that they're so scared that they might lose this opportunity to get into a better standing with regards to inflation. Hence, I feel like, and as you mentioned, Weta is not as Kuroda and seems so far. Otherwise, I personally feel like he would have already acted. I think he's going to be very cautious on how he is going to be proceeding with regards to getting out of there. Now, will I trade? It's one of those that it probably won't, but are you willing to take the risk? Because let's remember something. They're coming from not having... Well, I mean, they did expand it a little bit, ban, but it, this will be kind of like the first measure that they will be approaching with regards of tightening their monetary policies. So, hence, it could be one of those that the impact of it could be substantial. So, it's one of those that if you're going to be taking your approach with regards to uh, the Bank of Japan, you have to be extremely careful. Having said that, I don't think that they're going to rush any situation. With regards to, and I know that we already finished this topic, but I just wanted to touch yeah, base with regards to the um, European Central it. Bank. It's in a tough spot. Inflation over there, it's higher. They're losing their main engine. If we get to see what's going on with Germany, they're losing steam, and therefore it could get them in a position where they are with growth substantially going down and inflation not cooperating. And definitely that's not a position that you want to be. Um, with regards to what could happen, it might benefit a little bit if Christine Lagarde comes up a little bit aggressive and knowing that the Fed just skipped, let's use the term that Powell was kind of scared to use, they skipped, they might have a little bit of um, a tailwind in that situation, but further down the road, I'm, I'm a little bit of skeptical with regards to how, how much more can the euro go. That's how I feel with regards to those two important ones, though. Uh, definitely the Fed already passed. It was a big picture or the main event of the week. But still, let's pay attention to what. Uh, yeah, we still have to keep our keep our keep our uh, head on a swivel, I like to say, uh, with the ECB and the BOJ this week. So let's go ahead and move it along to your next topic. We're going to talk about market breath. And this one I personally want because... Okay, before I even ask you, I want to establish my perspective. And it's 
well known within the technical analysis realm that in order for a movement to be spread to continue, more likely than not, it has to be well supported. Similar to the dynamic with volume, you want to see volume that it's accompanying price movements. Similarly with the market in general, you want to see that there's a lot of the con constituents moving in one direction, but that's definitely not the case with regards to what we're seeing with uh, U.S. equities. Um, yeah, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, we're talking about, you know, near 52-week highs. Nonetheless, when we talk about the S&P 500, only 5% of its constituents are actually making 52-week highs. That, ladies and gentlemen, by definition, is speaking of a very narrow market breadth. And that, to me, is one thing of concern because brings into the question, well, is this sustainable or it's just a very few ones pushing the overall market? What, what has been the thematic? I mean, it's been all about artificial intelligence, right? Technology, AI, all the, you know, the processors behind it, the software on it. I, that's been the main thematic. But when you actually get out of that narrative, uh, hey, what is pushing the market? So I want to, I want to, uh, I bring the question now to you. What do you think about what's happening in the market? Well, is it sustainable? I, yeah. Well, first of all, I don't think it's sustainable. At least it is, it is not in its current state. Um, so I heard somebody call the, the, the stocks that are leading the charge, the great eight, you know, whether you're talking about Microsoft, Nevada, uh, I said Nevada, that's where you live, <laughs> NVIDIA, uh, you know, all the technology stocks that are really leading the charge, um, you know, grade eight. Super Seven, what, whoever they are, uh, but you you all know it's that 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 handful of stocks that are really leading the charge. The question is going to be, um, you know, Quasar, it's when when or if they start to show signs of they they've peaked. Are we going to see rotation out of that money, out of that fast money, those fast money names into different into different names? You know, maybe some of the more you know uh, uh, maybe dividend yielding type of stocks or some of the safer stocks and which will support the market. So in that type of situation, I think, you know, this move can be sustainable. However, there's a, there's an ETF I like to follow. Uh, for you guys and gals at home, write this one down. It's RSP. That's like a weighted, uh, a, a real weighted S&P um, ETF. Uh, and, it, and it's a good one to follow. We're, we have a nice consolidation happening in the S&P 500 if you equal weight it all, um, which is not necessarily bullish. It's not confirming that we should really be buying anything and everything under the sun. It suggests what you're, you're talking about. We should, be we should be a little bit more cautious at these levels. Um, you know, and the other thing that we didn't really talk about a whole lot is, fo you know, the FOMO or and, and what Westy likes to call the FOMU, you know, just the underperformance, you know, just underperforming just as an asset manager. You know, you got a lot of money behind these moves. Um, so as long as we continue to make higher highs and higher lows, it's fine. You start to break that cycle. That means you got a lot of people that are stuck long. And then, you know, we'll see how long they can stay wrong. So I think while we're above 4,300, maybe 42, maybe 42 and change, uh, you know, I think the, the market continues. Anyway, I think market breadth is something really that we should be watching. But um, now it's time to see what stocks and <laughs> I said stocks, <laughs> that's because we're talking about Nevada, the stock Nevada, you know, the one that you live in. Uh, 
Now we're going to take a look at uh, some of the currencies, the setups, and that's a setup. Let's get to it. Wow. So I get to like kick things off today, which is kind of weird for me, but uh, I, it's cool. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And I think the first setup really is the dollar index. And you know, Quasar, the dollar index has come down to the level that I expected. I expected it to come down to test the bottom of the flag. And today it came down to that bottom of the flag and really the breakout point that comes in right around, depending on what ETF you're looking at or what CFD you're looking at, but it's around 103, 102.80, somewhere around there. But we're at the 50% retracement, the bull flag, as long as we can hold these levels, I think it's set up for another continuation higher. Now, remember, we do have the ECB tomorrow that is going to weigh in on the dollar index because the dollar index is made up more than 50% of the euro. So, you know, this is really going to hinge on the euro having a negative reaction tomorrow. And hey, you, you laid it out there, Quasar. How about if the ECB decides they want to skip? Now, I don't think they're going to, and I don't think the market expects that. But what if they pause? What if they skip? Anyway, I think it rests on the euro, but the dollar index as a whole looks like we're coming down to levels that are opportunistic for people that want to be long bull flag formation. What are your thoughts here? I have to say that I think you're a great chartist, Blake. I really love the charges by how you properly structure with the sense of, hey, look, we haven't made a lower low from if we get to compare it with the lows of February, seems like now we're changing the structure from making lower lows and higher and lower lows to maybe changing the dynamic. And you, on top of that, add that bullish continuation within that apparent new structure that's taking place. I think overall, it's a great, great configuration. Um, the only thing that I will mention uh, with regards to this setup is, of course, you have their uh, 200 uh, moving average. So if you get to play that uh, bullish flag if it gets to be activated maybe of course once you reach that level make sure that you already protect your initial stop loss move you know be break even kind of like play play it smart with regards of how you do money management once you already in the trade but i love it you, you're a great chartist like well thank you i appreciate those comments <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> all right well it's my turn to talk and uh, seems like we're going to get back to somehow what we were already talking about. And here, um, knowing that you are uh, an ex-Marine, um, I decided to I label this one the few, the proud, uh, basically making mention to the dynamic that there's very few ones that are actually making, they are breaking through the situation in this case. And yeah, you can clearly see it right there. Um, here we're actually looking at the S&P, you know, uh, given market capital, 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 oh boy, help me out there, Blake. Capitalization. <laughs> and then we have the equally weighted um, SP 500, and it clearly shows how it's lagging when you get to actually to incorporate equally all the other constituents of the SP 500. Hence, um, this is for me one of those that hmm, I don't know. I don't know if. It's, it's a tough one because as you mentioned it, we already, when we get to see what happened from the lows of October, we already in a structure where we are making higher highs and higher lows. Hence, you know, our bias should be, or our outlook should be bullish in, from a very pure 
technical price action standpoint. Nonetheless, I'm starting to see, and I have been having a hard time just kind of like being bullish with regards of risk assets, primarily because of where um, where the cost of money is right now. But yeah, I feel like I'm just trying to pull on every reason that I have to see, oh, there's weakness in there. <laughs> but to me, that's, that's a sign. Uh, very few ones, and it's, a not, it's not a broad movement, so I question it. I, I definitely question it. I don't know if you want to add anything to this chart. Well, I just want to say, like, like the upside target that I see that I think you got to wait for, and I'm not sure if we're going to get there, is the 161% extension of the February highs to the March lows. That comes in right around 44.30 or so. But today's high, right around 4,400, was also an intraday uh, we call it an intraday bull flag pattern that we've been following this week. So if, if you do follow me on Twitter, you probably saw that. And I think some further upside targets, like I said, 44.30. Can we reach it? You know, did 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 uh, you know the market? If it if it sleeps on what the Fed Chairman Powell said today, and it starts to take some of those words to heart that he said, maybe maybe we've seen a, a near term top. But I don't know if I'd be too bearish while we're above. Like I said, 4200, big breakout point. Maybe those are the dips and those are the places you look to buy it. So, um, hey, I appreciate you bringing in the S&P because it is such a big index. And I know so many of you guys and gals trade it. So glad you did bring, bring that up, Quasar. Let's move over to the Euro Sterling. Um, I think this is a great setup. And the reason why I bring this up is obviously the ECB is tomorrow. And if you look at the Euro Sterling, we've been in breakdown territory. As soon as we cleared that 200-day moving average or retested the 200-day moving average, we've been sliding ever since. And we are on obviously very uh, key support. It's horizontal support because once, once or if we break the, through those December lows, that's going to propel us into a new trend low, which should take us down towards 82.30 pence. Now, I don't necessarily want to be super bearish here, and the reason why, and I got to throw this out there, just I'm going to I'm going to do this for Mr. Brown because I know he's listening. Just because <laughs> the sterling, the the pound dollar failed today above 127 or above the 126.80 level, kind of left us with a little false breakout on the upside. So I worry about playing a little bit more sterling strength, but tomorrow's all about the euro. So anyway, I wanted to bring the euro sterling because I think it's a breakdown or a big reversal and you can play it back to the long side from here. What are your thoughts on the euro sterling or do you have any thoughts on the euro sterling right now, Quasar? Um, not necessarily from a fundamental perspective, but from a technical, just by what I'm seeing here on the chart, I love that you are open to both sides. Um, here's one thing, and I personally tend to utilize oscillators, primarily RSI, not necessarily for overbought or oversold condition, but more for like exhaustion of momentum more than anything those divergences there i don't clearly see a negative divergence but just because there is not doesn't mean that it's not gonna respect that it's already oversold right having already broken um the the 200 moving average there could be still movement to the downside chris uh, right there you have a what will be considered a death cross chris is not a fan of those um you can actually you <laughs> will say that that's basically a contrarian signal that it's it's not gonna go but um you know that could be also one that it's telling you that there's still movement to the downside and that the trends are restructuring for a longer perspective to the down to the downside so yeah i mean it's one of those that you have very well defined level and just play it based on how it works 
Yeah, I think you can play off that level. That 85.50 pence, 8.8550. I think that's going to be a key level break break below. It's bearish, stays above it. Maybe you get a little bit of a short squeeze. Hey, why don't you take us into the last chart that you brought for us, Quasar? I brought one that in some essence also makes me be a little bit skeptical about taking on risk. <laughs> but basically what I'm seeing here, uh, if you actually get to see the technical setup for the U.S. 10-year bond yield, it broke. It broke from a downward channel that had been in place for decades. In this process, after having already broken, what we get to see that has been taking place to me personally, and I actually want to hear from you, is what it's considered to be a bullish flag. For you, all of you who don't know the connotations of this kind of pattern, if you will, technical pattern, it's known to be a continuation one. And if that's the case, that could hence mean that we will still get to see higher levels for yields. Now, this is a tough one with regards to the economic side behind it. Nonetheless, seems like we are still not getting things figured out with regards to inflation. And so far, central banks seem to be already at that oops mo mo moment where, oh, wow, we need more. So if that's the case, I mean, this could be indeed a bullish flag and we can be cool. See, um, you know, movements to the upside with regards to yields on the 10, 10 year bond. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said you said uh, central banks are having an oops moment, and all I thought about is Britney Spears. That's weird, and that also probably <laughs> dates me a little bit uh, as far as my age goes. Um, you know, Quasar, I like the I like this bullish flag that you're setting up on a weekly basis. Now, I want to make sure everybody sees this. This is a weekly chart, and what you pointed out is if it does break to the upside, that's going to be very bullish for ten year yields. That means the bond market's really going into into a free fall. But also that tends to be supportive of U.S. dollars. So that that's something you should think about if this bull flag really starts to take hold. And let's say the U.S. tenure gets back above like the 3.9 percent. Well, that's going to be pretty bullish. Four percent to me, it's like break. That's the break right. um, level, um, and it's going to be massive. I think that it will be massive because remember uh, we're talking about U.S. debt and. Whatever happens there has its repercussions, not just in the United States, but globally. It in some sort of way sets the standard for what it's gonna be happening abroad. And yeah, it it can it can have huge ripple effects all around. All right. Well, thanks for bringing that one to our attention, Quasar. And now let's get into what our plays of the day are gonna be for both Quasar and myself. All right. Well, my play of the day, Quasar, is going to be the Looney. I'm taking you all to the Looney bin. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit of my book. If you guys uh, don't see my week ahead video, I've been doing a week ahead video for probably like seven years now, and I do it on the weekends, and it's out on YouTube, and you can find it. Anyway, I, I mapped this out, the dollar Canadian out on the week ahead video, and I said, hey, you know, we can drop through one, 133, 132.80-ish, get to that level and get a reversal from there. Might be a good counter trend long you know, breaks enough stops and turns around and gets long, and then you can get long. Well, guess what? It went to like 132.70 something. Overshot my target from last weekend, like by a few pips. And guess what? I've got long. And I'm, so I'm playing this as a false breakdown. If the dollar continues higher, 
I think we can, you know, trade back up towards 135. We have to scale above 134 first. That's going to be first key level resistance. And as long as we stay above those that that support zone, which is around 132.60 ish, we as long as we stay above there, I'm targeting up towards 135 in this nice false breakdown. I love catching everybody on the wrong side of trades, and that might do it here, Quasar. So, what's your trade of the day? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I gotta say I really like that US CAD. Uh, if you actually get to see it from a monthly perspective, it, it could be in one of those processes where it's going to the resistance of a monthly range. But um, yeah, with regards to what I have today, um, kind of like I've been sounding the, the drum quite a, quite a few times. Uh, but yeah, it's risk risk off. <laughs> um, in this case, I'm picking up with uh, the DAX, the German index. The reasons behind it are mainly on the technical side. I'm looking at here at a negative quadruple, if you will, triple. I mean, at this point, like it has been making lower, um, lower highs with regards to the RSI. Um, and yeah, it's taking place at a key resistance level, the all-time highs. And so, yeah, I think that this is one um, that could have potential to the downside. Now, how will I play it? In all honesty, I think this is one that we have to be careful with regards because, yeah, risk can continue on. It's been going. And if that's the case, just get out of the way. Get out of the way very fast, risk very little, and try to make a decent, decent return on what you're risking. I wouldn't, um, you know, hold it for too long. I wouldn't have a very wide stop loss. It's one that if it plays out, just try to be very precise. If not, get out of the way because this train has still you know, room to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Quasar. Well, next time you're back here on, on the trade-off, I, I hope when you're dealing with the DAX, I hope you use the title, the DAX is dead. Because that, that's my title. <laughs> I've used it three times. And uh, feel free to use that on your own when you when you want to. Okay. <laughs> so from from our reference, um, Oscar. Oscar also tried to play a couple of times shorting the DAX. Uh, didn't play that one. Didn't play out. But here I'm trying it one more time. <laughs> See hey, you know play. it's 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 trading, right? You're gonna get some right, some wrong. You know, Quasar. I, I want to say you know it's great to have. It's great to do the show with you. It, for those of you that don't listen to the Pepperstone Spanish show, make sure you listen to the Spanish trade off with Quasar and his. His crew over there in the Casa de Quasar Pepperstone. Hacienda. Excuse me. Excuse me. Anyway, yeah. and and folks, if if you've really enjoyed your time here with Quasar and myself, make sure you give us a thumbs up. Jump down in, in the in the comment section below. Tell us what your setups are. Tell us how you feel about fading the DAX right now, or tell us how you feel about yields. We'd love to hear it. And Quasar and I will be in the chat section commenting back to you. So we'll look forward to that. And uh, Quasar, I want to say thank you so much. I hope you guys and gals all have a great week. We appreciate you spending your very valuable time with us. We'll see you next week on The Trade-Off with Chris Weston again.